Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of All the WrestleManians podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm your co-host, Rich Sigwald. We're thrilled to be back in the studio with you. We hope you enjoyed our recent episodes. We talked to WrestleMania 3 with the guys from the Turtle Wars podcast. That was a lot of fun. We thank them again for joining us. We'll check it out if, you, uh, if you're so inclined. Um, we are. We got two shows to talk to you about today. We're going to run down just the, the latest WWE Elimination Chamber, which happened uh, just a weekend or so ago, back on February 18th. And then we're going to go a little bit farther back. We're going to go all the way back to April 24th, 1983, to talk about the AWA Super Sunday show from uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. We're continuing our trek through the uh, early days of Hulk Hogan, sort of the rise of Hawkamania. You might have caught the uh, show from Madison Square Garden, where he first took the belt off the Sheik. Of course, WrestleMania three being sort of the um, pinnacle of, of Hulkamania, probably. Uh, and this show is really his first uh, AWA belt win, I believe. Is that correct, Rich? Uh, it is the second. The second uh, one. Okay. So he doesn't win the title either time. He gets screwed both right. times. So, And we'll talk about that for sure. But uh, anyway, it's old Hogan stuff, um, and it's it's fun. Um, so we want to we talk about that for sure. Um, so I think we want to just, like I said, I just want to start with uh, the latest Elimination Chamber. Uh, I think we both watched it on the Peacock. Um, yeah. Did you and watch it? Did you watch it the night of or did you watch it later? I did. I watched it live all the way through. I was really proud of myself for that. Wow. Um, very retro of you. Yeah. And. I want to say that it's probably the most enjoyable WWE premium live event that I've watched in several years um, outside of like some of the NXT shows. This I don't, They're getting something right over there with these shows. I don't know what it is. It didn't feel like it dragged like a lot of their shows typically feel like they drag. Yeah. We're going from match to match. We were getting good summaries of the stories without being like, oh my God, come on. I've watched Raw every <laughs> week. I know though I haven't watched for all every week. I know um, <laughs> the, the, I mean, the big, the big takeaway for me is just like watching Roman Reigns get better and better at being a heel and drawing heat and storytelling this Sammy Zayn bloodline, Kevin Owens stuff, man, it's getting to me. It, it gets me. I, this is like the best thing I've seen in wrestling in a long time, this, this whole angle here. And it's really impressive to me. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun actually. And I would agree with you. This is one of the better PLEs, formerly PPVs that we've seen in, in quite a while. I think Royal rumble was pretty disappointing. Um, mostly nonsensical, kind of predictable. This one had a lot more, I don't know, just a lot more highs, a lot more drama. It was also relatively short, which I appreciated. It kind of moved along in a pretty good clip. Um, so this is, uh, you know, just let's get the stats out of the way. Elimination Chamber 2023, February 18th from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And the Bell Center attendance is uh, 17,271. Um there's no pay-per-view bias report anymore because that's not really a thing. You watch it on the uh, Peacock or you watch it the night of or you watch it the next day. I watched most of it the night of and then we got to the main event and it was getting late and it had been a long week. I'm like, I, I got to watch this tomorrow. So I did. I went back and watched it tomorrow, but I stayed off of Twitter until I had watched it because I wanted to yeah. didn't want any spoilers. I had just found out that a, a good friend of mine had died earlier that day. And so... 
that helped. This show definitely helped just like get me out of my head for a little bit and just yeah. like watch other people's drama happening. So that was, uh, it's funny how wrestling can kind of do that for you. And it did it for me that night, even though it was WWE and not, and new stuff too. Yeah. Um, but WWE needs to have like all of their shows in Montreal. Oh my God. That crowd was the hottest crowd I've seen in a long, long time. Like, yeah, I mean, since, since the raw air, like the, since attitude the raw era. War era. At least, yeah, <laughs> at least the attitude era, they were like fucking that. fired up. Oh my God. Everybody start, was pre-gaming. Start Everybody to finish. Was, yeah. yeah. They were singing and like in key in unison singing, like, oh my God, like they were insane. There was, there was good, like they believed it was all real. They, they were into it. They were booing the heels. They were cheering the faces like, and then it doesn't hurt that Sami Zayn is from there. So yeah. that definitely helped things pretty spectacular. Fuck you. Roman chant that yeah. went on for a significant portion of that final match that I love. Yeah. That. that was great. Yeah. Um, everybody's throwing down the Molson Zay before they get into this one. This one and some of the that Labatt's blue. Um, yeah. I don't. Um, I don't. The the low point for me actually was the Bobby Lashley Brock Lesnar one. I actually caught a little nap during that. I slept yeah. for about five ten minutes and I felt great and I was able to stay up through most of the rest of it. Um, yeah, there's no denying that that match was kind of boring, but I don't. I think they. I mean, I knew it was going to end in disqualification. It had to because that's a that's a WrestleMania caliber match to be happening on, on, on elimination chamber right before WrestleMania. Of course you'd DQ them and yeah. have Brock Lesnar go crazy about it or something like that. And they can have a blow off at WrestleMania, hopefully in a cage or a cell, you know, yeah. cause that's how you, that's how you settle it. All right. No disqualifications, but there's a cage too. You can't get away. That's, yeah. that's how you settle this feud. You definitely um, don't blow off all your heat a month before, right? No. And then try to try to find somebody else to wrestle Brock Lesnar next. Not next when month. you're about to have like a stadium filled with like 70,000 people and you're going to blow off Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley in front of yeah. 17,000 in Montreal a month before. Mm, no, you're going to have a disqualification. You're going to move on. Yeah. So in addition to the main event, I think we both really liked the men's elimination chamber match. Um, and we were sort of messaging back and forth about that. And I think what part of what made it awesome is like, there's a lot of the, uh, the real superstars from a couple of classes of NXT ago. Yeah. Um, before NXT kind of got fucked up, but Austin theory, Bronson Reed, Damian priest, uh, Johnny Gargano, I could take or leave Montez Ford is really good. Seth Rollins. I could also take or leave at this point. Um, and I mean, those guys really went at it. That was a half hour match, but there was a whole lot of action, a whole lot of drama, a lot of back and forth, some really spectacular stuff, but nothing, I didn't feel like there was anything that was over the top stupid, you know, yeah, unlike the women's elimination chamber match, they were not going just from spot to spot to spot. There was a whole much more natural flow to the match. I like Johnny Gargano. I liked his bluey themed, uh, wrestling gear for the night in honor of his kid. Uh, I like the, I mean, I was excited to see Bronson Reed letting Bronson Reed go. That one time was a huge mistake that they made. I thought, I think yeah. he's a future big man, main eventer. Um, I, I know you're tired of Seth Rollins cause you watch a lot more WWE than me, but I'm not tired of him. I think he's entertaining as hell. 
and I like how he kind of like swings the pendulum back and forth on whether he's a good guy or bad guy. Like you can't tell like one minute, like even in the middle of a match, he goes from good guy to bad guy, good guy, bad guy, like multiple times. Yeah. And he's his, his ring stuff is great. I don't, I won't, uh, I won't debate that at all with you. And I do, I appreciate his sort of like agent of chaos thing, right. Where he's, he's just, he just wants to watch the world burn, right? He doesn't yeah. give a fuck. And I just, I'm really just, I'm really tired of hearing him talk. I hate his voice. I hate his, like his fake, um, whatever that promo voice is of his, like that's, that's the part I think that annoys me the most, but, um, he wasn't terrible here. Um, I, and I'm with you on Bronson Reed. That dude is an absolute unit. He reminds me of, a of a Bam Bam Bigelow, you know, one of those big guys yeah. that can like really fucking move, man. Yeah. Like, he is. I, I don't know how somebody that large can be that agile. It's crazy. Yeah. And then probably my final thought was that I thought they did a good job of having a, a little bit of resolution to the uh, judgment day stuff with Finn Balor and edge and, and Rhea Ripley and uh, Beth Phoenix. Uh, I thought they did good by not having Rhea Ripley get, get pinned that she came out of that match still looking really strong. Uh, just because, I mean, she's going into WrestleMania as the Royal Rumble winner and she just went in the end in the Royal Rumble. So you can't then suddenly have her lose on the next pay-per-view in a mixed tag match. Um, so as yeah. long as she didn't take the pinfall, I think they did a good job with that. No, Beth and Ed should definitely stay retired. <laughs> yeah, I'm at, I'm over it. Um, Rhea Ripley is incredible though. Her Royal Rumble performance was spectacular. Um, and I will, I watch as much of her as they want to put on TV for the time being. Yeah, for sure. She's a, she's a total package as far as these things go. Yeah. She's got the look, she's got the move, she's got the strength, you know, that she's everything you you can't ask for much more and you're going to put her against Charlotte Flair. I approve. I (laughs) approve. She's like dark Charlotte at this point, right? Like Charlotte is the, the golden God and she's her like kind of, um, kind of scary reflection you know yeah so anyway good yeah good show i was uh i was pleasantly surprised um so anything any takeaways from this that's going into our next wrestlemania hmm hmm i think you know i mean austin theory is a star and what there there's rumors that he's gonna face john cena at wrestlemania i don't know what you do with that do you does john cena put uh austin theory over and shoot him to the moon or is that going to be too soon for him to do that or is cena going to win because it's john cena but because i mean what last time we saw cena was against roman reigns and reigns beat cena so then if now austin theory beats cena at wrestlemania then we have austin theory on the same level as (laughs) roman reigns yeah. That's a hell of a push. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where Austin Theory goes from here. I mean, I think he's USA, uh, Intercontinental. Um, those are those. That seems like the right, you know, yeah. thing for him. Um, but I mean, I would like to see him face Gunther in a belt versus belt match. Oh God, yeah. I mean, Theory's not going to survive that because <laughs> he's a pretty boy. But I think that's yeah. what people want to see. Yeah. 
he'll, he'll come out the other side all just like twisted wreckage, you know, and he'll be like, I've seen some shit and I realize my looks aren't going to get me through. And I'm from now on, I'm just going to be a hundred percent badass, and I'm going to, whatever, going to bring bricks to the ring and hit people with them. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. How about for you? What do you, what do you think? Or what, what's the big takeaway for you going into WrestleMania here with this thing? Also, you know, the, the Roman Reigns is the puzzle, right? Cause he's been basically unbeatable for so long now. Um, and I, you know, I know they're heading towards a Cody versus Roman Reigns thing, but I don't necessarily buy Cody even, you know, at this point being on the same level as Roman Reigns, he's not a mid Carter to me, but he's like, yeah, he's not quite, not quite the top, you know what I mean? Like there's the top tier and then there's the guys kind of right below that. Like, yeah, the only, the only, the only thing I could see is that somehow like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens cost Roman Reigns the match against Cody. And so it's not exactly a, a clean dethroning. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, maybe yeah, at this point they've, they've put Roman Reigns so above everybody. Yeah. It's, they gotta, you gotta pick the right guy that's going to knock him down. And I, I'm with you. I don't know if Cody is the right one, but either way, it's must see TV. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I'm excited. I'm uh I'm into it. I'm I'm ready. I don't know if I'm gonna be two nights worth of WrestleMania ready, but I'm 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 into it. So yeah, night two might get watched on like Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it's a lot. It can is we a get, lot. Can we start an online petition to get it back to to one night? Like, no. Yeah. And I, we got to keep an eye out because sometimes they put the tickets for the next WrestleMania on sale during the current WrestleMania. Yeah, you're right. And that's going to be in Philly, which is not too far for both of us. And no. it's the 40th anniversary. And I don't know what else. We got to try to be there. We got to do our damnedest to try and get there. We should. We should so. film. We should. Um, you know, what we should do. We should do like podcast episodes from the road as we're heading up there. Just yeah. like a couple of fucking cranky middle-aged guys with yeah. weak bladders well, on the road. Like here we are at every... the uh, at Chesapeake house. <laughs> here we are at the Delaware house, this uh, 20 miles further up the road. Because, you know, I shouldn't have had that bottle of water at Chesapeake mm-hmm. house. Like, hey, this rest stop has a Sabaro. <laughs> here we are at the rest stop just across the PA border. Uh, here we are at the exit for the Christiana Mall. Because that has... <laughs> They have free bathrooms. What I'm trying to say is I pee a lot, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Like a lot. It's okay. Anyway. All right. Are we done with the elimination chamber? Uh, (laughs) Has anybody made an elimination? Has anybody made an elimination chamber is what I call my bathroom joke? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think think that's why I'm chuckling because we were just talking about peeing a lot. And then suddenly, are we done with the elimination chamber? Yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to tell my wife every time I go to the bathroom now, I'm like, I'm headed to the elimination chamber. She'd probably just be like, stop talking to me. Please also, don't look at me ever again. Also move out and I'm changing the locks. Yeah. Anyway. Leave the dog. <laughs> I think she'd actually want me to take the dog. She's like, because he's, he's clearly my dog. He's like, he's kind of attached to me. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. I actually brought him upstairs when I, uh, to record tonight because if I leave him downstairs, he sits at the bottom of the stairs and cries. Oh, I know. Even though Jackie's sitting right there, it's kind of rude on his part. Yeah. So what a dick. I mean, kicked me out of the bedroom doing bedtime tonight for like <laughs> the third night in a row. He's like, no, hey. no, Papa, 
you can read me books, but when it comes time for the cuddling to fall asleep, mm-mm, get mama in here immediately. So, <laughs> you know, that's fine. More time for you. Yeah, sure. Me, it's me time, kid. This is me time. Yeah. So you can take him to do fun stuff during the day. Yeah. Tattoos and blow. I took him to a ball pit last weekend. So that was fuck. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't invite me. You're far away. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, if you guys ever go to a sky zone, please call me. Cause I've never been to one of those and I kind of want to go. Yeah. There's one here in Bowie that I'm, yeah. we've been, we've been talking about taking f- to, but we don't, we're not, not yet. He's probably so, a little sm- small for that yet. Uh, some other kid in his daycare goes. So we've possibly going to go with them. Okay. It's like a, like a play date kind of thing. It'd be like parents that talk to other parents. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Yeah. Here, so here's a fun idea. You put him on one end of the trampoline. You jump on the other end of the trampoline. That's a bad idea. Instant satellite. Yeah. He's in orbit. <laughs> he's on CNN. You're like, we don't know what this balloon is. He's, he's like, in orbit around Mars doing that. <laughs> oh, f- comes back to earth every 47 years. Yeah. Anyways, let's get to the Super Sunday. Oh, here. yeah. Sorry. We got got uh, distracted by launching your son into orbit. Sorry. F- um, yeah. AWA Super Sunday, April 24th, 1983. St. Paul Civic Center from St. Paul, Minnesota. Everyone in this crowd is Minnesota nice, but not really. No. Um, <laughs> this is a fun show. <laughs> uh, Gene Okerlund, good old mean Gene, is on ring announcing duties. Um, Rod Trongard is on commentary and he's our only commentator, which is a little bit strange to only have, um, one commentator on the show, except for a little bit of an exception later on. Um, and he's not, he's not there to sell storylines. He's there to basically just tell you what's going on in the ring. Yeah. I mean, that's the big difference with AWA and other things is that there's some storylines, but really Vern Gagne is really into the entire concept of the company being built around technical wrestling and focusing on the wrestling and really nothing else. And yeah. uh, while it's insanely popular, the AWA is on the same level as what the WWF is at this level and the NWA, like their competitors, they're all even, even on the, on the floor here. So it could have, uh, it could have gone either way except for some other things, I guess. Yeah. And it's actually this focus on technical wrestling and less about storylines and personality that ends up sinking the AWA eventually. Um, yeah. And there's controversy that we'll, well, about this show that we'll get to later. And this is an interesting, uh, super card event that it wasn't a pay-per-view. It wasn't a a closed circuit event or anything like that. I, it might've aired on television th- there, like maybe cut up in the multiple episodes or something like that locally syndicated, but it's, it's, it's a super card and it's a big time show and it's one of their big ones. So yeah, this is a, this is a strange little event that, that <laughs> sticks out in the history and is key to our ongoing theme recently of looking at different career points of Hulk Hogan from his first title win over the Sheik, as Tim mentioned to body slamming Andre and Pontiac Detroit, Michigan to now we've rewound a little bit back, but right before he goes and beats the Sheik and uh, we get to see him suffer great injustice. (laughs) 
Yeah, this is uh, Ur Ur Hogan or Ur Hulk. Yeah, it's a, and uh, just as a reminder, the last AWA show we did was from '86, I believe. Right? It was the Wrestle Rock, and you may remember that yes. episode from its amazing rap theme song, the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Um, yeah, rap is in air quotes, of course. Um, and uh, production values are pretty much the same. <laughs> it's kind of kind of low budget. It's um, it's a like an arena show, not not I would terribly. Say that it might be better. It might be a little bit better. Although Russell Rock had a um, a Waylon Jennings performance that we don't have here. So. Yeah, and a color commentator that eventually joins in, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, there's some great things with this show. The ambiance of the show, like we said, the crowd is hot. This is a very very hot crowd, almost to the level of what we just saw at the Elimination Chamber in Montreal. And my favorite thing is that the hard cam shot, uh, if you look past the ring, you can see all the smokers and drinkers that stand up in the back. Like it's like always, there's always that like group at like large gatherings and stuff where they, they have a seat, but they can't go use it. They got to just, they just, they need to stand in the back, like the cool guys and their leather jackets and stuff like that to smoke or drink. And yeah. Um, even at like when I worked for the public library, we would have giant staff days where like all the people that work for the library, like almost 500 people would get together in a big banquet room. And there was inevitably always a crew <laughs> of people that had to stand in the back of their coffee instead of sitting at a table with the rest of their crew. They, they, they stood like it's four hours long and they stand the entire time in the back. And the same thing is happening in this show. And like, there's like a, a bright light over top of them too. And so like, there's like this like silhouettes yeah. of like smokers standing in the back of, of every camera shot. And it's wonderful. I, it's so eighties. It's like a, uh, it's like an Edward Hopper painting back there. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's great. It's the dogs playing poker back there. Um, yeah, no, those guys are way too cool for school for sure. Um, and there's some really, um, yeah, there's some, like you said, the crowd's hot. There's some really fascinating talent on this thing. All right, so then let's get to the card here. So first up on the card is Rocky Tom Stone. <laughs> get it? Because his name is Stone. He's Rocky. Um, versus Brad Rangans. Rangans we've seen before. Yeah, um, he's always in the opening match of these AWA shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a curtain jerker. Yeah. Three years running. Yeah. Um, good old Brad is in the old uh, collegiate you know, Olympic singlet and working the quote unquote legit wrestling angle. Yeah. Um, Stone, whose real name is Stephen Hall, was also one of the executioners. Um, if hmm. you remember them, everybody wrestled as an executioner. Well, that's though. true. So I probably was an executioner at some point. Yeah. We don't even realize that w both of us were a masked executioner in a professional wrestling at some point <laughs> in time. I was executioner number 69. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> hey yo listen up folks um yeah no they executioner 77 because you get eight more i don't get it that's okay you get eight I, more I, oh eight. i eight, eight more mm. it's a homonym i thought you were uh executioner 420 nice dude <laughs> blazing Anyway, yeah, this one this one starts kind of slow. There's some long, long heat on Rangans um, from good old Rocky there. Um, yeah. But Brad, I'd say Brad's comeback is actually pretty exciting. Yeah, uh, he does a uh, couple of, couple of decent drop kicks and then a 
pretty wicked gut wrench suplex, which the announcer calls mm-hmm. the suple. Did you catch that? Suplay. Yeah, apparently that's how, like, uh, until like 84 or 85, that's how they pronounce it. And like every place is, it's a suple. I don't, I don't understand. Okay, it's French, even though it ends with an E-X, suple. Is it spelled S-U-P-L-E-I-G-H back then? <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't know. It's uh, Irish. This I thought this match was kind of interesting because it started with a handshake, even though Rocky is very clearly the heel, and mm-hmm. he fights like an asshole through the entire thing after <laughs> shaking his hand. Uh, Rocky, you fight like an asshole. <laughs> yeah, and the one there was sup- one super really cool thing that I had never seen before in a wrestling match that was in this match, and that is while uh, Brad has Rocky in an arm bar and he's down on the mat. Right. He's got him, got his arm locked and he picks him up by the arm lock through the shoulder socket and then slams him back down onto the mat. I was like, oh, God, how did he not just like rip his arm out of the socket? How do how do you do that? And like his entire body like levitates off the mat and slams back down. I'm like, oh, ouch. Ouch. There's some wicked shit, especially these guys, these older guys who, you know, work this kind of like legit angle, you know, like yeah. this, this uh, collegiate wrestler angle or whatever you want to call it, amateur wrestling angle. Like they, they pull off some pretty impressive stuff sometimes. Yeah. I mean, Brad is, is, is a legit, he made the 1980 yeah. Olympic wrestling team, but we decided to boycott those Olympics in Moscow. Uh, so uh, he didn't get to go. Is that the so, one that Kurt Russell went to? No. That was 84. Yeah. Anyway, um, I thought the little uh, interview with Brad after is, is kind of cute. He's very humble. Yeah. He's like, yeah. thank you, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Good good promo, buddy. Good job. He's from the he's from the Ricky Steamboat School of Promos. I just yeah, I, mean, I just want to say I, I think uh, everyone uh, came here to see a really good wrestling match and um, I, re- I respect them quite a lot. I I'm happy to have beat him and uh, I really appreciate everybody here you know showing their support. Remember to buy your program. <laughs> tip, your, <laughs> tip your servers. That's that's what Gene ends this uh, segment with. Remember to buy your program, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> So people start booing during his um, promo there, and I'm like, oh, they don't like him. But actually, Mean Gene points out that's actually because the next bad guy is getting set yeah. Uh, yeah. to come to the ring. So um, he's coming coming down the aisle, and that is Steve Regal, but not that one. No. Um, versus mm. rock and roll Buck Zumhof, who is that one, a.k.a. the sex offender guy. Yeah. Um, and who we also saw on the Wrestle Rock, he has his Elvis jumpsuit and his fucking boombox that he won't turn off when he's talking on the microphone, and the speaker is blaring <laughs> in the microphone, and like, like what the fuck? Like, you, seriously? Uh, sorry, yeah. I get to, I get distracted. I don't like Buck Zumhoff. He's supposed no. to be the face here, but one, he's an asshole and he doesn't know when to turn his fucking boombox off. Two, he's a convicted sex offender doing time right now. Yeah, and I think I know a third reason why. Why is that? I'm pretty certain Shawn Michaels has ripped off his entire gimmick. <laughs> Did you hmm. not get like a full yeah. Shawn Michaels vibe from him, from like the white leather to and the and the moves in the ring yeah. and stuff like that? It's it screams late career Shawn Michaels. Yeah, I could see that for sure. He has a kind of spastic thing. Also, okay, so here's another question. He has like this kind of like jump jazz 
tune playing on the on the boombox, right? Yeah, it's not. He's rock and roll, quote it's unquote. Not rock and roll whatsoever. Zumhoff, but it's not like it's like it's, rockabilly kind of. It's not ZZ Top. It's not fucking no. Skinnerd. It's like it's like um, Muzak jazz from the Kmart dressing room. Yeah, it's not good. What is wrong with this guy? No, it's just a basic like one four five chord progression rocking through the blues. Like, <laughs> eh, come on. <laughs> I hate Buck Zumoff. Yeah, Buck Zumoff can eat my dick. He can rot in jail. Anyway, yeah, he can. Even though the crowd loves him, he's getting the big old Buck, 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 yeah. Buck chant going. So they didn't uh, know he was a sex offender yet. That was later. no, no. I they they telegraph the finish of this match pretty badly when uh, the announcer says, "Well, Zumhoff has a title shot next month." So <laughs> are you going to have are you going to have him lose this match? <laughs> like, okay, well now we know that Buck wins. Great. Uh, they didn't uh, have such a thing as spoiler alerts back then. No, he also kind of has like this weird like Hulk up skip around the ring, kind of yeah. like wahoo mcdaniel does and it's kind of like distractingly bad that's what i I wrote here buck does a hawk up that's whatever yeah Um, buck starts out and then um regal cuts him off and then buck does a hawk up Uh, i also wrote that he has a bit of a skinny hacksaw duggan thing going on yeah the way he arches his back the posture Mm -hmm. the posture is weird um yeah i can see that too and he does a yeah. sort of, uh, what is it? It's like a Vader bomb thing in the corner. Yeah. Um, gets the pin. That's weird. Like they're cruiserweights kind of basically. And a belly flop is your <laughs> finisher. <laughs> oh, you dropped 180 pounds on me. Oh my God. Oh God. Oh no. You know, um, anyway, I liked Regal though. He was mean. He was fast. I liked him. I liked, I liked Regal in this match. Yeah. That dude could work. I haven't yeah. seen him before. No. Um, I don't know too much about him. I should look him up while we're talking here. I don't um, either. I've heard his name pass around before and being like confused as to why right. is there two Steven Regals, but there aren't. So we're good. <laughs> he is described as the very flamboyant Steve Regal when he comes out to the ring, um, which I thought was fun. Yeah. So anyway, so Buck, Buck wins. Um, he does a, post match interview but he's got his fucking stupid boombox thing on again and it's like blaring directly mm-hmm. into the mic um mean These gene are the most boring promos ever Ugh, they're just okay. the most boring things ever thanks for the win he should he should have gone to jail for those promos yeah they could right. have saved someone a lot of heartache <laughs> namely his uh daughter just saying yeah anyway next up on the card Jerry the King Lawler. Hooray. Holy versus, shit. Versus, I know, right? What's he doing here? Um, it's a long way from Memphis versus John the Golden Greek Tolos. Um, Mr. Tolos is actually Canadian, by the way. Yeah, of course um, he is. <laughs> uh, but he is Greek and he's Greek heritage. Um, so this was kind of this was kind of a fun little thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I like that Tolis is old as shit in this match, <laughs> uh, by the way. He is uh, 52. Yeah, he's born in uh, yeah. 1930. Yeah, he's 52. Uh, and poor Lawler just works the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. Lawler's a full 19 years younger than him. So, boy, boy. Yeah. Um, 
I, I like that Lawler is announced as seen on the David Letterman show because <laughs> this is actually pretty much right around the time of all the uh, Andy Kaufman stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So that was a that was a fun little little thing. But this this is a pretty boring match. But I mean, yeah. it's Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler openly admits that he doesn't know a lot of technical wrestling stuff. He, he can do a headlock and he can sell and he can do punches and then the pile driver and then and, the pile driver. Yeah. And then he's done. Um, and, uh, but well, that's, that's all you need from him. You need yeah. that strap drop and he's angry and you're like, Oh shit, it's on now. He's took off the strap. And then 30 seconds later, the pile driver pin, he's waving to the crowd. It's great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, like talk about finding your niche and just fucking working it. Right. Like he, yeah. he's never, you know, he doesn't, he's, uh, he's the ACDC of, of professional wrestling. He doesn't evolve. He doesn't change. He just goes out there. He sings you really loud songs about balls. Everybody has a good time and you go home. Yeah. Um, I mean, and he, he really find Jerry Lawler later in like the early nineties on Monday night raw as still a wrestler, uh, really finds a, a niche and starts pushing, pushing the envelope in WWF a lot. Like the attitude era kind of builds off of him and his feud with Bret Hart a bit. Where he's he's getting in the face of Stu and Helen Hart and insulting them and calling them dirt bags and old as shit and like just blow the belt stuff that you know he's bringing that Memphis insanity to the WWF and uh, yeah I don't know if that's what they're trying to go for here like they just they brought him up from from the uh, from the Memphis territory here kind of on loan um, but yeah so. Are we are we discovering that that Jerry has a uh, problem with Canadians? Is that what's going on here? I think so. Some kind of weird racist nationalist thing. Yeah. Um, the only the only thing I really noted here was that Lawler gets hit with an uppercut and flies over the top rope, and the referee yeah. rules that it wasn't Tolis's fault. Jerry's momentum carried him over, so he doesn't get disqualified, and they're able to continue continue the match. Um, Foreshadowing and, later events. Yeah. Of this show. Shh. Because uh, the AWA, uh, similar to the NWA, has the if you intentionally throw your opponent over the top rope, you are disqualified rule happening. Yeah. And then Lawler uses his famous pile driver to wrap it all up. Um, yeah. Tolos is uh, <laughs> the uh, the announcer says Tolos is unconscious. Um, you can see him moving and yeah. like, talking. <laughs> but this is not the first time that announcer has made this this announcement. announcement yeah, that's then, okay. That's okay. Yeah. So the next match is a NWA Women's World Tag Team Championship match. It's the Texas Cowgirls, which is Wendy Richter and Joyce Grable versus Judy Martin and Velvet McIntyre. And uh, we've talked about Wendy Richter a little bit before, off and on, about how she how over she was back in the day, and how she was basically like the female Hulk Hogan. Um, but like watching her here, she's more like I don't know, like the female Terry Funk or something like. She is a star and a half. Oh <laughs> this my is a god! Good fucking match. This match, yeah. I I watched this twice actually. I did I too. I watched it. it again today. I uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. <laughs> Oh man, uh, there's some yeah. violence in this match. Yeah. 
Um, the cowgirls have these rad pink cowboy boots that I really like. Yeah. Um, there's a power bomb from some of the girls. Um, yeah. There's some real shit happening in this match. <laughs> uh, my God, there's like hard, like throws through the middle of the ropes out until onto the concrete floor, bouncing off of tables. Like, Oh my God. Like these women are taking real legit bumps. They're doing real legit mat work and grappling and it is tough as balls. This this match is probably the meanest match on the card, hands down. Yeah, hundred percent. Richter starts out by grabbing Velvet by her ponytail and like just flipping her around like a yeah fucking spatula. Like it's crazy. I just wrote yikes in my notes. Yeah, you can look painful. Yeah, and like and the but like Julie Martin and Velvet McIntyre are no slouches in this match. They're they're dishing it just as much as yeah. Joyce Grable and Wendy Richter are. Like those are the two big names in the match. But Julie Martin, Velvet McIntyre are throwing it down. Velvet McIntyre in her Irish temper, uh, <laughs> as as it's pointed out to us multiple times, is just nasty. And then Richter at one point stands on Velvet's long red hair. And like to keep her down and then stomps on her chest. And then the foot comes up a little too far up. And like, she just stomps right on her throat and jaw. <laughs> like, Oh my God. I think we just saw like Velvet McIntyre get like a real curb stomp. Like <laughs> Jesus. Uh, it was some gave tough her the, stuff. Gave her the Brooklyn bridge. Yeah. And you can, uh, Whenever, whenever something like that happens, this announcer has a tell when he thinks that something is really nasty and like mean looking. And he goes, mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it, it's almost like the Jesse Ventura, whoa, yeah. kind of thing. But like, he just goes, mm. <laughs> I'm going to start doing that during meetings when somebody says something I don't like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's a great hot tag in this match. Oh man, they get a, but then at one point, all four ladies are in the match and, uh, there's pins happening, but no one is no legal person is pinning the other legal person. Uh, so it's kind of ridiculous looking. Um, and then, uh, Wendy Richter uses an inverted body vice as they called it on McIntyre where she picked she picked her up and put her on her shoulder and bridged uh, McIntyre's back over her shoulder, kind of like a torture rack kind of thing. Like that's some serious strength. Like, (laughs) and you don't see that out of, out of a lot of women wrestlers these days that have that kind of strength. You might see it in like Rhea Ripley or like um, Bianca Belair to be able to do that stuff. But this is as Wendy Richter in the eighties is like fucking hulking out and, and, stretching she's tanging and banging you know <laughs> tanging and banging yeah these girls are tough man this match goes uh 13 and almost 14 minutes longest card on the match to so far and like the third longest match on the whole thing yeah and it ends with grable power bombing mcintyre yeah. for the win i believe she gets about three quarters of it i would say yeah that's still a really tough move to pull off, yeah, you know, no, no, for sure. And my biggest takeaway is that you can tell that Wendy Richter's money. She is gold. She is a big old sack of cash and you need to hold on to her. Yeah. So her um, post-match interview, she says, well, they're real good wrestlers, but we're the best. Yeah. Man. And then she just like, 
and then she gets on the mic and like everybody just fucking boos her. This they that place loses their mind booing her and she's just like shut up like oh my god she's almost on the Sherry Martell level with it but not quite. Big fan, so, big yeah. fan. I'm gonna watch some more Wendy Richter matches. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. If you're gonna um if you're gonna go through anything on this AWA Super Sunday, that's that's a good place to start. Um you can skip over good old Buck Zumhoff and uh, Jerry the King Lawler for sure. Yeah. Uh, next up is Wahoo McDaniel, who good old Gene Erkeling says is one of the great Indian wrestlers of all time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Uh versus Eddie Boulder, aka Edward Leslie, aka Brutus beefcake yeah um which is crazy yeah. um mean gene also well he's not mean gene yet he's just gene uh announces that this is supposedly the largest indoor wrestling event ever to happen in north america <laughs> it looks like there's 400 people there like <laughs> yeah but it's it's in the saint paul civic center that place is pretty big I, i'm just like it is the largest indoor wrestling event to happen in Minnesota since last week in North America in April. And they keep adding qualifiers to make it to make yeah. it something special. It's like it's the uh, in the spring in April in the uh, yeah. in the Great Lakes region to have super in the title. And um, they don't announce the actual attendance with to it. Start after four p.m. Yeah. yeah. No, I uh, yeah, actually I don't know what the attendance was. There's there's probably a few thousand there. I'd guess maybe seven or eight. What do you think? Um, the, judging from the volume of that crowd, I would probably push it to ten. Okay, ten thousand. Well, actually, let's look up while we're talking here. Let's look with the the St. Paul Civic Center. I'm imagining it doesn't exist anymore. Demolished in 1998. Capacity, sorry, capacity was sixteen thousand. Oh, this um, place is at capacity for sure. I think, yeah. There's people standing in the back. <laughs> well, they're too cool. They got to smoke back there. <laughs> so um, Eddie Boulder is fucking ripped and has this like yeah. gorgeous mane of blonde hair. Oh yeah. Um, I had a kind. I have. I kept looking at his face and like, is that really Brutus? I can't. I couldn't tell. Um, part of it is that the lighting on this show is really bad. Yeah. Um, this was just a weird match to me. I don't know. Wahoo's getting older at this point, but Brutus is coming up. You need somebody, and then. Uh, Lawler pops in on commentary and he's super face good guy on it. Uh, and he sounds very uncomfortable. It's weird. It's weird to hear Lawler sound uncomfortable on the microphone. Yeah. He definitely takes a little bit getting settled there and he doesn't quite know what to do. Um, he has some mic trouble at first and, and then he kind of like talks through his match with Tolos and, um, he talks about how devastating the pile driver is and he mentions that he put andy kaufman in the hospital for five days so he's continuing to sell his memphis thing and his yeah. as, as you know david letterman thing i had recently uh actually watched something about that about that whole feud and and uh andy kaufman actually did stay in the hospital for like three or four days uninjured he paid to stay in the hospital and paid the doctors to keep saying that he was sick or injured so that he could completely sell the injury that he suffered supposedly from Jerry Lawler. Incredible, incredible. And like, uh, and they weren't even going to, when, when that initially happened, they weren't even going to get an ambulance to take him, uh, 
they're, they're telling Andy that it was too expensive to get the ambulance. And Andy was like, I'll pay for the ambulance. That's Just amazing. Get it, get it here and cart me out of here, man. Talk about selling it. Yeah. They, you don't have that commitment anymore. You know, what a fucking genius. Yeah. Well, anyways, this match, not much to it. I mean, Wahoo has a beautiful vertical suplex that he lands. Sorry. Vertical suple on, uh, suple on, on, uh, Eddie Boulder here. Uh, gonna call him by the name that he's billed by uh and then he does a then wahoo rallies back and starts galloping around the ring and the crowd starts going like oh my god this is oh my god uh and then wahoo lands the quote tomahawk chop to uh finish off eddie boulder here yeah, Wahoo has a beautiful chop, I gotta say. Also, he yeah. really he hits those ropes like he means it. Like you don't yeah. see that anymore. You guys don't know how to fucking do that anymore. You should if uh you should watch old video of Wahoo McDaniel hit those ropes. You know, well, it's because hitting the ropes hurt and people don't want to get hurt. Yeah. You know, that's just the thing. He's just he's all in. So Moving along, this next match is whew, it's a barn burner. It's a six man tag match. On one side you've got Jesse Ventura. Ken Patera and Blackjack Lanza, those are the bad guys, uh, versus the High Flyers, and that's Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel and Rick Martell. Um, man, um, so first of all, you know, play the Sesame Street game. One of these things is not like the other. Greg Gagne always looks like he just like wandered into the um, Gold's Gym locker room and has no business being there whatsoever. No, <laughs> and like I get it, your dad's the promoter. It's adorable. But like, come on, man, he's, he's, he's got zero muscle mass. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the things that leads to the downfall of the AWA is this, uh, Greg Gagne constant push. He's just constantly there and people don't understand it. He's not that popular with the crowd. He's not that great in the ring. He, I mean, he holds his own, you know, he, he can do it, but I mean, if he was put in a match with the Brooklyn Brawler, I'd probably hope that the Brooklyn Brawler wins because, you know, just that's how it is. I don't, yeah. I, I think Greg Gagne has a very punchable face for being a good guy. He really does. After the, uh, the bell in this one, when they're griping about the griping about the loss and complaining, I'm like, man, he just sounds like such a fucking wuss. Like I just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just want to smack him. Yeah. Th- this is my first time seeing, uh, Jesse Ventura and Ken Patera, actually wrestle i'd never never seen them before and that's one of the things that drew me to saying let's let's watch this show is that it's got a lot of i mean one i was interested to see jerry lawler this early and uh but then jesse ventura ken patera i had never seen them wrestle and it's a it was interesting jesse looks totally different even though like and it's just because he still has hair he hasn't shaved his head yet and he should have shaved his head he's he he looks like shit in this match yeah, he's got a he's got sort of the 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 toilet seat um receding hairline, right? He's got like the yeah. the Hulk Hogan ring of blonde hair around the back. Yeah. But it's um, black. It's blackish brown yeah. hair. It's not good. Yeah. Ken Patera is is a weird-looking dude. He looks strong as hell, but he's just also a weird-looking dude. Um I so for me, the real standout in this match was Mick Martell. Like Oh my god, yeah. That so he's a stud. 
Oh my God. So, you know, we, Rick um, tell Ricky Martel, Ricky Martel, we bust on Rick Martel because of course he was in strike force with Tito Santana and he broke up strike force and became the model and we've never quite forgiven him. And he was a really good heel actually in sort of the WWE heyday and uh, the good match with, um, uh, the good feud with Jake the snake where he blinded him with the perfume and the whole thing. Um, but he is like, he is hot stuff in this match. Yeah, I mean, you can see why they would make him champ, but you know, he should have he should have been champ in WWF too, like he never got that same same level of treatment when he did jump boat, but this uh this match was 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 fire. It was all over the place, lots of energy to it. Um Martel with really fast arm drag takedowns. They were really impressive, like they're like Dustin Rhodes level arm drag takedowns, uh, Ricky steamboat caliber, uh, really enjoyable to watch him work. There's a great, uh, Jesse sucks chant from the crowd and you can hear Jesse turn around and scream back at them to kiss his ass. Great, great mic work, picking that stuff up. Good job. <laughs> but you know, yeah. um, and then there's a lot of weasel sucks match, uh, chance because Bobby Heenan is ringside with the heels. And lot and he's getting lots of middle fingers too. It's uh that Minnesota nice is gone. Yeah. No, uh, Heenan's bringing the heat for sure. Um, he gets up on the apron and passes a foreign object to, um, Patera. Um, and you know what I liked about this is actually they, they did it in full view of the camera, but out of sight of the ref, right? Like we were, yep. I think we were just talking about this. Yeah. And, um, whereas on AEW now it's like the guy just like walks up and like hands a machete to the other guy yeah. and the ref just like <laughs> looks at him and then just like keeps, I don't know, checks his watch or plays his you game. You can't do that. And like, then he does it uh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. Um, and so they actually, um, and the, the other thing is Patera, keeps his the foreign object sort of hid for a little bit and he doesn't just like get it turn around brain the guy uh in the most obvious possible way like there's a few moves in between um he actually sort of goes to the floor and brunzel's trying to put a a submission move on him and he kind of just reaches up and pops him with the um the foreign object um yeah the announcer says he's trying to put the indian death lock on him it's a figure four it's a figure it's, it's a figure four and uh uh, and then there's like chaos breaking out. And that's when uh, Ken cracks him in the head with the foreign object and gets the pen in the middle of the chaos. Um, yeah. I also, there was this one moment too, where Ken Patera really showed his strength where he picked up uh, Jim Brunzel and just threw him, just threw him across the ring. Just picked him up. Like he's a bag of ice from Seven Eleven. Just, <laughs> just threw him. He's a strong dude. Wasn't he? A, he was a power lifter, right? Wasn't that his whole yeah. thing? Yeah. Yeah. He was like a big old, big uh, weightlifter, uh, world strongman kind of thing before yeah. he got into pro wrestling. Um, yeah. No, he's jacked for sure. Yeah. And then. Uh, he's like a blonde, like Jufro, which is weird. Yeah. It's weird. It's, it's, it's a weird look. He's got a weird look all <laughs> around. Um, and it was really annoying that the ca- the commentator is screaming that it was a double disqualification all this time. And like, no, it was just a pin. It was just a pin. He won. Like, that's how it won. Uh, and like through the entire event too, the commentator is talking about, oh, the camera work tonight is awesome. This crew is doing a great job. They're really covering the action and getting those great angles. But 
this amazing camera work completely missed the finish of this match. And we, <laughs> we had to watch the replay like 10 times after the match to, to see it. Yeah. In slow motion and, uh, with a zoom and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, the part gets a little annoying and, and it lasts forever. And also it, I, to me, the, uh, the faces end up looking like a bunch of whiners cause they're in the, in the ring. They're like, Oh no, he totally, he cheated. He totally cheated. And like, like yeah. everybody else has moved on by now. Like, and then a brawl breaks out and that brawl's like, it's a good brawl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, no, this was a lot of, this was a lot of fun. It was like, it was a lot of chaos. Um, guys, you don't see blackjack lens, uh, like, yeah. We didn't even really mention him, but he's, I mean, he's a, he's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, this is a big time six man tag match. Like there's, it's a lot of names. So. And, uh, Brunzel, we just saw in WrestleMania three, obviously as part of the killer bees, um, jumping Jim Brunzel. Um, but and uh, Jesse Ventura on commentary at that, and yeah. uh, Blackjack Lanza is working as a uh, as one of the bookers huh. for a WWE uh, at WWF at the time, and you actually you see him escort um, uh, Mary Hart to the ring. Oh, right at, at the end. So that's right. By that time, Greg Gagne is uh, uh, what working at a gas station, probably. No, I think he's champion at that point. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then we wonder what happened to the AWA, right? Right. Like they got Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant over there, and we have the milk toast son of the um promotion owner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hmm. All right. So here we go with the main event. The main reason we're here. This is Nick Bockwinkle, who's the AWA champ, uh, with Hawk. I'm sorry, with Bobby Heenan in his corner versus Hawk Hogan for the AWA World Heavyweight title. Lord James Blears as special guest referee. He was a uh he was a wrestler and just kinda all around yeah. uh announcer, promoter, et cetera, et cetera. Surfer. He was a surfer, surfer apparently too. <laughs> yeah, what a weird uh he's he lived out the rest of his life in Hawaii after this. So yeah. I don't yeah. sound too bad. No. Trying to escape the shame of what happened in uh, Minnesota. Um, so we start off, uh, I'll, I'll just, just do the introductions here, and then you can give us a little bit yeah. of the background. Um, they start off with the introductions of AWA president Stanley Blackburn, who gets a nice round of booze. <laughs> he, so he's sort of like the, you know, the Jack Tunney figure. He's not, you know, he's whatever, he's fake president or whatever. Uh, yeah. And then uh, AWA co-founder Wally Carbo is here, who was also one of their big wrestlers for a long time. Uh, introduction of James Blears and then of Heenan uh, and then of the wrestlers. And they do the whole checking the boots thing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. So I know you have a lot of background on this one. What did you want to talk about here? Yeah. So, I mean, this, this match is actually pretty pivotal to the future of the AWA and the, and the history of the AWA and to the WWF actually. Um, so as you just mentioned that, uh, uh, Gagne and Carbo are basically the co-founders of the AWA. And what they did was they actually scooped up a bunch of local promotions uh, stretching from like Minnesota to California and group them in to like an NWA thing, but called it the AWA. Uh, but it seems like the AWA was a bit more of a solidified, like single promotion. 
on like the NWA, which is an alliance of a bunch of small companies like the Georgia territory or the Florida and like the uh, Memphis and stuff like that. But the AWA uh, does work with the NWA occasionally. And that's the reason why like um, Jerry Lawler's on the card here and stuff like that. Um, so basically what had happened was uh, in 81, Gagne, Greg, um, Vern Gagne, the founder, uh, not the son, Greg, but Vern, was basically the champion until he retired. And then he decided, well, since Nick Bockwinkle had been loyal to me and stayed around for so long, he put the belt on Nick Bockwinkle and Nick Bockwinkle has been carrying the company. Even though at this point at this match, uh, um, Nick Bockwinkle is 48 years old. He doesn't look at, I mean, he looks like a golden 48. I'd be super happy. He looks like a golden gun. Yeah. So I've got, I've got, uh, what, what is this? I've got two years and like, uh, four months until I'm 48 and I don't look anything like that. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so at this point, uh, Hulk Hogan is working with the AWA. He's been training. He just starred in Rocky three and boy, is he over boy. The crowd just loves him. But Vern Gagne recognizes that Hogan has this incredible charisma and personality and enough ring skills, but he's not a real wrestler. So it's kind of like this bullshit where Bob Backlund wouldn't lose to Hulk Hogan because he wasn't a real wrestler. Well, Vern Gagne wasn't sold on Hogan because he wasn't like a real like technician wrestler guy. Like he doesn't have amateur cred. Because of that, Vern decides to... Uh, basically to do two dusty finishes on Hulk Hogan versus Nick Bockwinkle in a row. What we're about, what we're about to talk about is the second one. And so this second one is the one that really set Hogan off and prompted a phone call from one Vince McMahon to Minnesota long distance and said, Hulk, if you come here, I'll make you champion immediately. (laughs) Yeah, I can, you can watch this and just see kind of, I don't know, some of it, some of it, look, you can't, it's hard to tell sometimes what's a work, but whatever, like, yeah, thinking about 1983 and where Hulk Hogan is and what he will be, you can see this is, this ain't it, right? Right. The, so the other thing that's happening here is that Vern Gagne is taking the lion's share of all of Hulk Hogan's merchandise sales. And his money that he's making wrestling in New Japan at this time, too, because he's a big time guy in New Japan at this point. He's making main event matches in New Japan. And he is Vern Gagne is is taking he's not you can't even call it skimming. He is taking taking a lot of money. And Hogan uh, at least asked Vern to just go 50 50 on it. And Vern said no. Damn, that's not cool. And then he refused to make him champion because of the am- the lack of amateur wrestling cred. So obviously Hulk Hogan says uh, goodbye. Uh, Vinnie Mac over in New York has uh, said that he'll put the belt on me immediately and going to ride me to the bank for the next nine years. So uh, I'm going to go do that. And 
he does. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, when you hear about that history, and sometimes when people talk about that history, they sort of lay it on Hogan as he's being, you know, opportunistic and not loyal and all that stuff. But, I mean, I think, you know, thinking about it, it's like, why the fuck would you stick around, basically, to get shit on by your own promotion, get half your money, at least half your money stolen, uh, and you know what you got, right? Like, at this point in 83, with the movie and everything, like, Hogan knows what he's working with and that he could be a whole lot more right and again minnesota has been good to him but minnesota is not the it's clearly not the last stop for somebody on that level so like i know i get it you know that pop that he gets at the moment that like just the music starts for him he gets a massive pop and this is another one of those things where uh wwe slash peacock have edited the music so at this point hogan is coming out the eye of the tiger here um, and there's even signs that say Hulkamania in the crowd. He, you know, he's, it, it's there. It's all done. Like Vince didn't yeah. have to do anything. Hogan's already a complete finished package. Well, he's, he's wearing just, a shirt that says we want the belt, right? Isn't that what his shirt says? Right. And uh, now or never or something like that. And too, people have, back. uh, signs in the crowd that say the same thing. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's ready made. It's, it's set to go. Um, so this is uh, Bachwinkle again comes out. He runs out to the ring to a chorus of booze. Um, and the announcer says that Bachwinkle wanted so much money for this one that Wally Carbo had to raise the ticket prices for tonight's event. <laughs> that made me laugh. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty funny. And that's yeah. uh, probably not true. It's no. actually just Vern wanting more money because he understands that Hogan is a goddamn cash cow and the Golden Goose all combined in the one. Can you imagine going to see fucking Hulk Hogan in like, you know, a 16,000 seat arena in like nowhere, Minnesota in 1983? Like that, that would be like catching the clash at like a tiny club in like London, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's almost like seeing like the Ramones at CBGB's or something like, you know, like you're there right at the start and you're like, oh man, this guy is this is something's going to happen here, right? Like, yeah, cause it's not even like just the start of the band, but it's the start of the whole punk genre. Like you're, yeah. you're here at the start of Hulkamania before it has run wild <laughs> to, uh, uh, you know, it hasn't hit a big market yet, but it's about to. Yeah. Well, and as we said, when we watched the, the, uh, Madison square garden show, like, when he takes that belt from the sheik, like everything changes. It's, yeah. you know, and that's not that far off from where we are here. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's a big moment. And one of the things that I was reading, uh, in the research up to this was, uh, that the, the big thing that was keeping the AWA going and a main competitor to the WWF and the NWA is that they had California. They had specifically San Francisco was like big time. They controlled that and uh, WWF couldn't get to California. They were trying already to, to stretch it coast to coast, but they couldn't quite get there. Once Hulk Hogan jumped over and like, you know, he's from supposedly from Venice beach and like he could, that opened the door to booking in San Francisco for the WWF. And that started the AWA's retreat from the coast. It's almost militaristic, like <laughs> the control of land and like, yeah. it's like a risk. It's like a game of risk. This like controlling territory and lands and stuff like that. 
And that caused the AWA to start receding away from the West Coast and the staying in the Midwest. That cost the AWA to lose a lot of money. And then the other thing that happened with that was because they were losing the money and the WWF started making the big bucks, uh, Stu Hart, who was in the market to sell his Stampede Wrestling, chose to take the million dollars from Vince McMahon instead of any kind of offer from his former roommate, Vern Gagne. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That could have been like a big pivotal move for AWA to obtain Stampede Wrestling, the Hart legacy, you know, like in the Stampede Wrestling controlled a large territory in Canada and the North, uh, Northern United States. So yeah. It probably would have made the, it would have at least allowed the AWA to continue being a serious competitor for a little bit longer, you know? Yeah. Like who's to say how long it would have lasted, but it would have, they would have had a chance for at least another few years. Because the other thing is we've, we've said a lot of impressive names on here on this card and the, the bad business deal that, that Vern offers Hogan gets around the locker room and they see Hogan hit the road because of it. That, prompts jesse ventura to roll out ken mm-hmm. patera bobby heenan uh rick martell jim Brunzel, uh wendy richter brutus beefcake brutus beefcake they all hit the road pretty much in in a in a parade of absent <laughs> a, a parade of of vacancies yeah. just because uh the awa is now losing money because hogan's gone and they see wwf taking off and what in 18 months, Wendy Richter's partying with Cindy Lauper. That's a big deal, you know? Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, a talent drain for sure. Um, and it kind of, it kind of pulls the plug on the AWA, honestly. I mean, who's left at this point? You're going to watch Brad Rangans and fucking rock and roll Buck Zumhoff. You're going to show up to the Civic right. Center for those guys. I don't, I don't think so. You're going to show up for 50, whatever year old John Tolos. <laughs> right. Uh, the only thing that keeps them afloat at this point after Hogan leaves is that uh, two guys roll in by the name of Hulk and Animal? The the Road Warriors show up, and they're a big deal. Yeah, they're the Hulk Hogan of tag teams, basically. And well, out uh, of that, um, out of the Minnesota um, bar bouncing uh, circuit, right? Right, right. like some of the other guys. Yeah, like all of them. <laughs> like all of them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Scott Hall and. Um, Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig show up a little bit, uh, yeah. not too long after this either. And Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. But eventually they all roll out too. Yep. I feel like somebody should write like a business book about like talent, you know, like getting and keeping talent kind of based on all these moves between the wrestling promotions. Yeah. When, uh, when you have a Hulk Hogan, Agree to just split the money with him. (laughs) Give that dude the belt. Seriously. Right. Give him the belt. (laughs) Um, So I noticed when he is introduced, they're still calling him incredible Hulk Hogan here. So cue the Marvel lawsuit. But of course that didn't happen until he went to a WWE WWF. And they're like, Oh, these guys have more money than Mm -hmm. these uh, jokers here in Minnesota. So, Well, well, again, this is only local television. You know, yeah. it doesn't happen until WWF is like broadcasting this crap nationwide. And then Marvel goes, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. You can call him incredible Hulk all you want up in bumfuck Minnesota, but yeah. you're in New York, you're broadcasting coast to coast pay up. <laughs> so, 
Cha-ching, cha-ching. Um, so there's uh, there's some of the usual Hogan uh, healing it up here. Uh, he jumps on Bachwinkle's stomach. He pulls him by the hair. Um, Bachwinkle, Bachwinkle was really fucking good. Like this guy, yeah. man, he um, he he takes some amazing bumps in his thing. Um, he just he just works, man. Like he has impeccable timing for a heel. He's too. like incredible. He, he knows when the bail. He knows when to roll out of the ring. He knows when to get in the little cheap shots. He knows when to turn to the crowd to to get to get the the face time with the crowd to heal it up you know he's he's timing it up right and he is he's got the the old like nowadays they would call it the dad bod he's got a dad bod but he's got the old-fashioned tough man look body look like just like barrel chested big big guy kind of thing and hogan is a golden god of a of a bodybuilder looking looking dude you know fresh off the surfboard <laughs> fresh out of the gym tanging and banging i would be happy if i could look like nick bockwinkle like i have no illusions i'm ever gonna look like yeah <laughs> i would totally take looking like nick bockwinkle you know he's got yeah. the big arms big big like you said big shoulders and chest a little bit of a gut you know things are sliding a little bit to the south which you know whatever yeah. shit happens um but uh, he does he's got that golden mane of hair. My God, <laughs> he's gorgeous. He does his really great um, backwards uh, bump where he just like falls over like a big tree uh, after he runs into uh, Hogan's boot at one point. Um, oh, yeah, that was great. That was tough looking. Yeah, I loved it. It, was, it reminded me of so good. it reminded me of uh, Flair or Valentine's uh, forward face bump. You know where you just fall on your face. Um, yeah, except it's the other way. Um, there's a clothesline, and then Hogan drops an elbow that like looks like the elbow version of his big leg, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, um, but Bachwinkle sort of makes a little bit of a comeback. He's got some punches. Uh, he's going to the boiler. Uh, until Hogan uh, starts hawking up again. Um, Hogan catches him in this power slam. He's like taking a step and he, it, it looks like he almost sort of like fell forward or lost his balance a little bit and like falls forward. Yeah. Um, that looked like it might have been painful for good old uh, Mr. Bachwinkle there. I um, mean, most of this match just looks like Hulk Hogan beating up an old man. <laughs> I'm just, just like, it's a tough old man, but it's still an old man. It's still an getting, old man, right? Just the shit getting beaten out of him by Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Um, like a 20 year Navy veteran who's like starting some shit with a guy down at the gold gym yeah. or whatever. Like you should just ignore him. Just ignore him, Hulk. Yeah. Just ignore him. Oh, Hulk, don't do it. Don't oh, do it, man. Then, yeah. That's old Mr. Bachwinkle. Leave him alone. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing, Hulk. It's okay. The name Bachwinkle. Like, he lost he lost a lot of friends overseas. Don't yeah, it's fine. Leave him alone. Look, he's angry. He's a little racist. Yeah. In the war. He goes in the war. That's why he's racist, probably. His maybe. sons don't talk to him anymore. You know, he's you know, he just normally sits down at the at the park feeding the squirrels Alcatzeltzer and watching them blow up. But <laughs> you know, don't don't you don't, don't he's harmless, okay? He's harmless. Oh, come back. Don't do it. So but the through this whole thing, the crowd is nuts. Oh my God, they are ready. They are ready to burn that building down. Everybody is like, we can feel it. Hulk is winning this because Hulk's in control for like 99% of this match. 
it, like Bachwingle's got nothing for him. And I just like noted that like the WWF was smart to just have Hogan steamroll the Sheik when he gets there. That's how you do it. You'd make Hogan this like the superstar unstoppable man. You make him Roman Reigns. Yeah. You know, you have him make an incredibly impressive defeat of the champion that just dethroned your like six year Bob Backlund, no personality guy. <laughs> And then the Lord Blair's like, he really deter, he takes away a lot from this match. I think I, he, he's not good at, at heat. He's not fast. He's not good at being on top of rules or counting and stuff. It just kind of, kind of sucks some of the momentum out of this match. It sucks a lot. Of, and it just sucks a lot of the air out of it and kind of, kind of hurts it. Like, I don't, you didn't need a guest referee for this match. No, it had enough drama going in. I mean, the best part is when the ref gets bumped. <laughs> near the that end. was a vicious bump. That yeah. dude is old, and he <laughs> eats it big time. Fuck that Oh, guy. my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought, yeah, like, that's funny. I think, he hurt, I think he's going to kill him. Like, yeah. How old is Lord Blair's at this point? So 400, he, was born, he's 400 he was born in 1923, so Jeez. he is... He is uh, 60. 60. He looks 90. Sweet he moves music. like he's 90. Hmm. But he's 60 years old. And uh, wow. <laughs> uh. So Hogan does eventually make a comeback. He hits the big leg and hits the win and gets the belt. Heenan is apoplectic. He's freaking out. He's losing his shit. Hogan is uh, holding on to the belt and fake crying and pointing to the sky he's doing all of his hogan stuff uh, but then wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute what happened five minutes ago hulk hogan back body dropped nick bockwinkle over the top rope that son of a bitch that should have ended the match right there but lord blair's is such a shitty ref he didn't <laughs> catch it and call it yeah and so barn burner guy whatever his name is i can't remember uh, you know, the fake president of the AWA uh, um, says, no, 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 no. We're going to reverse this and rips the belt out of Hogan's hands uh -huh. and gives it back to Nick Bockwinkle. Stanley Blackburn for the record. Now, here's the controversy. There are several sources, not, you know, great sources to say it, but sources that say that this match was booked to be non-disqualification. Mm. so it's extra bullshit it's an extra bullshit dusty finish not cool no they nearly had a riot and like nick bockwinkle apparently like supposedly had to like talk later like to calm down the crowd apparently that i don't think it gets aired or something but there's shit flying in the air there's there's probably some real literal shit but people are throwing their trash at the ring and booing and someone's going to die that night in this in this crowd oh yeah after that, that announcement the trash just comes flying in um and uh, hogan attacks nick after all that he posts heenan he is fired up he is he throws heenan out of the ring it's amazing <laughs> he's pissed he's just going on a rampage um so do you you think he knew that was going to be the the finish um i mean yeah i mean he had to, right? Like, yeah, I mean, this isn't a screw job. This yeah. is a, this is just a, 
bullshit. And this was when, uh, I mean, Gagne decided not to let him have the belt. And that uh, apparently in Hogan's autobiography, he had planned to actually not leave yet. He had still planned to stay there and have a third match with Bachwinkle in a, in a steel cage that was supposedly going to happen. And that was actually, Gagne was going to use uh, Bachwinkle versus Hogan in a steel cage to actually start pushing into the New York territory. So that's how strong the AWA is at this time, that they're looking to go at WWF in New York. But that didn't pan out because Vince made that phone call and told Hogan, I will give you the belt right away. You're my man. (laughs) Hmm. Interesting. And uh, Hogan Hogan couldn't say no to that. I mean, I bet you he probably had a better deal too for the the merch uh, share and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And uh, and more more dates probably too, uh, for more money per date. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's a that's a fun match. It's a it's a big one. You know, it's sort of an important one. Um, anything else to say about that one before we wrap up the show? There's one more match on the card. It's sort of a bit of an afterthought. The next match, I mean, is this obvious uh, Vern Gagne ego? Like, I think Vern Gagne possibly had is the only person that has a an ego bigger than Hulk Hogan at this point. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, because we um, we've seen this before. He put himself in the last match on the Wrestle Rock show as well, right? And he's like, right, came out of retirement again uh, to, <laughs> to deal with the Sheik because the Sheik won't go away. Um, this is a different Sheik. We should clarify for our listeners that this is Sheik Adnan Al Casey, who uh, is an actual Iraqi person and uh, play was uh, known as General Adnan in WWF when he managed uh, Sergeant Slaughter through that whole uh, Sergeant Slaughter being an Iraqi sympathizer thing. Yeah. Apparently he uh, was a childhood friend of Saddam Hussein. That's what Wikipedia says. Anyway, fascinating. Um, also uh, good old Sheik slash general Adnan is still alive and kicking at 83. I think he's the only one in this match who's still around actually just, just pretty impressive. So this is Vern Gagne and Mad Dog Vachon versus Sheik Adnan Al Casey and the Crusher Jerry Blackwell. The so I guess Vern and Mad Dog are the the faces in in theory, um, but they're, yeah, they're a strange combination. <laughs> they certainly are, and it's it's because Blackwell and Mad Dog had a thing going, and Blackwell has also became a Sheik, so he is Sheik Sheik Jerry Blackwell. Um, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't. Clearly, yeah. uh, clearly, it's Middle Eastern roots there. Vishon is throwing some real punches. That he dude is, is a maniac. He is scary. <laughs> he is scary. There's there's no other way to put it. He is downright scary. Well, and his uh, daughter, Luna Vishon, was also scary. Like, yeah. <laughs> she was one of the Super best. Super talented. Yeah. One of the best female wrestlers ever ever did yeah. to do it. Um, so the thing that tripped me up with this one is both Blackwell and the Sheik have cats on their arms. Yes. Um, they both have suffered broken arms. Yeah. A la uh, good old Bob Orton, right? Yeah. Um, that's that's very suspicious. I feel like somebody should look into this. I don't I don't know. Um, so <laughs> it cracks me up. So they're um, <clears throat> the Sheik and the uh, and Blackwell are in the ring getting ready to go. And Mad Dog and Vern come like just flying down. They're just ready to get it on. They send everybody like just running for cover out of the ring. And poor old 
poor old mean gene tries to get over the top rope to get out of his way and gets sort of like hung up yeah um, <laughs> it looks kind of funny <laughs> and it's like oh somebody help him but uh yeah no mad dog starts bleeding pretty early from one of those cast shots yeah Ah, there's some there's some violence he, he is gushing he is oh my god there's so much blood coming out of out of uh, mad dog sean's head it's nasty and then uh eventually blackwell ends up bleeding too everyone bleeds except for Vern, because you know burns burns the money um but it's also very clear that Vern gagne has no business in this match He's too old. And so is kind of Mad Dog Vashon. He's kind of too old for this shit, too. Uh, the only one that's not is Jerry Blackwell. Um, but, yeah. This is this I, I this wasn't very entertained by this match. No, it really wasn't. The only the only move that I sort of liked was um Vern has a sleeper on Blackwell and the Sheik is trying to like brain him with the cast, but Mad Dog grabs his arm and uses it to hit Blackwell, which I've never yeah. seen somebody use somebody else's arm as a weapon before, so I thought that was kind of yeah. fun. Um and that's when Blackwell comes up all bloody. Um and then uh, Mad Dog stretches out the Sheik's arm and Vern climbs up on the turnbuckle and like just jumps on his arm. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Ouch. Ouchies. Ouchies. <laughs> Didn't look good. Um, no. And that uh, gets the win. And it gets the win. Mean Gene tries to interview him after him. And uh, Mad Dog is just, he's he's like subverbal. Like he's just making barking noises. and Best promo of the night. <laughs> Mad Dog is crazy. He's man's best friend and it's dog eat dog. <laughs> There's only one mad dog, Vashon, and then I just wrote, thank God. <laughs> Minnesota ain't big enough for two mad dogs. No. Uh, mean Gene is sort of keeping his distance. I think he looks like a uh, mad dog might bite him. There's a lot of blood. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, this is a fun event. It's a historic event. Um, it's a little hit or miss on the quality i would say but um did you have a a favorite match for all these my favorite match it's going to be a first for this podcast and my favorite match is the women's tag match the <laughs> julie martin and velvet mcintyre versus joyce grable and wendy richter that match is money yeah this is again when we want to see good semi-gimmick tag matches the awa is what puts it out the awa had that incredible little person tag match at at the uh at the wrestle rock and now they have this incredible women's tag match where they really let them work and it's like real wrestling it's not like any kind of like weird dumbed down women's wrestling like you get from a lot of folks these days where there's like cartwheels into the turnbuckle or or like or weird, weird little things like that. It is, this is, this is tough. This is, this is broken nails. This is hair pulling. This is vicious, uh, grappling and tying up and, uh, good meanness too out of the heels. I love this match. Yeah. I think this would be my favorite too. Actually, those ladies just, they fucking get it on. They like get two shits and it's, um, it's violent and it's also, but it's well done. It's well choreographed. Um, and uh, and very enjoyable. If I had to pick a worst, I might actually pick Lawler versus the Golden Greek, um, or maybe that last tag match. I don't know. What about you? Uh, I mean, I hate to put Jerry Lawler in that in that spot, but I no. think I am. I think yeah. I am. I think I have to just because like John Tolis isn't isn't a good opponent for Jerry Lawler at this point. He's he's he doesn't have the personality. Like Lawler is all personality in the ring. 
as much as we say how he sounded so dry and boring when he did commentary afterwards, he, he is a, he's a face. He's a guy that like works off the crowd energy. And John Tolis just wasn't throwing that back at him as a bad guy. Like he needs, Tolis needs to cheat like legit cheat and then like turn to the crowd and get them, get them riled up over it. And that's when Lawler shines and that just doesn't happen. Yeah. It's the old uh, wrestler versus sports entertainer thing, right? It's like, yeah, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta both be playing the same game and they're not really, um, did you flag any kind of, Oh shit moment? Did anything really pop you as you were watching this one? Uh, yeah. So I didn't know that the, the Hogan match had a dirty dusty finish <laughs> nice. until after, until I watched it and I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> I think I think if I were in that crowd, I'd be like ripping my seat up and throwing it at the ring. Like, just I can't handle this. This is horrible. This is this is. It's like the one of the few times of like watching something that we've done for this show where I didn't know the finish, and I literally said, "Well, that's bullshit. <laughs> that is bullshit. Damn it!" And like, <laughs> bad one. Like, I'm not. I'm, you know, I'm not a huge fan of like the dusty finish, but there are times when it's okay. Right. And I felt like this one was sort of half-assed. Yeah. So like the first dusty finish that they pulled on him, it's actually like six days later where they decide to, where, where they decide to use a technicality to strip him of, of the, of the belt. So that was a year before this match in 82. Hogan beats Bachwinkle with with a foreign object that uh, Bobby Heenan had tossed into the ring. And Hogan, tr- they try to say that, well, like, both of them got hit by the foreign object, so it's fair. But, like, they're like, nope, Bachwinkle's champion. Like, oh. <laughs> what bullshit, you know? So, but then, like, seeing it happen here, where and it all happens in front of the crowd. It's like, oh, my God, this is bullshit. And, like, beautiful heat, though. Oh, my God. Such beautiful heat for guys that like want to like focus on wrestling instead of the story time. This is, this is, this is juicy, juicy heat for that time period. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. And the, uh, the trash flying after that decision is announced, Hogan going just fucking ape shit on Nick tossing uh, Heenan out of the ring. That was, there's some good stuff there. Um, I like that a lot. Throwing the belt down in the center of the ring and like challenging people to try and come take it from him. Like good stuff. Yeah. It's like I'm watching this. I'm like, do we like Hulk Hogan now? Like, I don't. Look, here's the deal. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, the person, is pretty much seemingly a piece of shit. Yeah. Hulk Hogan, the performer, you, it doesn't get any better. Yeah, there, there, we just haven't. You just don't have that level of charisma. He's still basking in kayfabe, so like he can, he can, he can get away with a lot of this stuff. And uh, you know, these days. There's too much uh, looking from the outside at things. And this back then, everything, you were in it. And you can't help but see Hulk Hogan. And when you put yourself into it and like really invest and watch, there's no one more entertaining to watch in this time period than Hulk Hogan. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, he he got it, right? He understood what he was there to do. Uh, and he, I, he deserves every bit of his uh his fame and acclaim from this period you know i'm i mean with you as a as a person yeah whatever and his um his recollections or I, maybe his sort of self uh aggrandizing um kind of tendencies in the years since have kind of i think made a lot of people sort of annoyed 
with him, <laughs> but yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't take away like if it, when you watch this stuff, like just how just how good at it, how good at it he was, and also how he stood out, you know, like his look yeah. and his his the 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 work was like the work was beside the point almost, right? yeah. Like, I it, mean, it's it's very similar to how we've talked about Lex Luger in the NWA uh, Jim Crockett promotion stuff to where like Luger looked so different than everybody else. And Hogan here looks so different than anybody else on the card. And when we watched that event from Madison Square Garden on January 23rd, 1984, he looks different than anybody else on that card as well. It's not until later to where people are basically ripping off his look and doing and, and stuff like that. And his gimmick kind of like everything, everything after he starts doing that stuff, it kind of like every face has a Hulk up every, like a comeback look and they're all muscular and they're all built and jacked, you know, and they're baby oil and they're tanning and stuff like that. Like nobody else was doing that stuff until Hogan. And then the issue is, is that like WrestleMania three is the peak. Hogan doesn't have a better opponent than Andre the giant after that moment. They're like ultimate warrior is kind of close, but then what Sergeant slaughter yeah. Sid yeah, macho I, man. I macho say, man's all right. Yeah. You know? I was gonna say the only thing that gets close is the, the whole macho powers, um, uh, mega or whatever the macho power. yeah the mega the mega, mega powers, powers split yeah yeah that's um, it and because because it for sheer look and just over the topness and and an opponent who could work in the ring you know you can't do much better than macho man right so like um that 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 one for me is is like is kind of right under the the andre uh um, i mean it's it's no coincidence that when hogan finally leaves the WWF and goes over to WCW his first, like after, after they get the dream match of Ric Flair out of the way, his first big confrontation is with the giant Mm -hmm. Paul white, big show. And they, at that time they're booking Paul white as Andre, the giant's son. I mean, that's a natural, right? It's a, you know, they, they furious seven, right? That's how, that's, that's how legendary the WrestleMania three match is, is that 10 years after it in a different promotion, they're trying to still milk it. And as we always do, we like to wrap up by paying tribute to the men and women we've seen in this show who are no longer with us. So our in memoriam for AWA Super Sunday from 1983 includes Mean Gene Okerlund, Rod Trongard, John Tolos, Wahoo McDaniel, Blackjack Lanza, Nick Bockwinkle, Lord James Bleers, Vern Gagne, Mad Dog Vachon, Crusher of Jerry Blackwell, Walter Wally Carbo, co-founder of the AWA, Stanley Blackburn, AWA president, and Bobby Heenan.
anyway well this has been fun to talk about I'm, I'm glad we had a chance to dig into it i hope you all have enjoyed it as well if you have any thoughts or comments about this of course you can find us at all the wrestlemanias.com you can find us on twitter at, at wrestlemania pod you can shoot us an email at all the wrestlemanias at gmail.com find us on facebook of course and on instagram if you'd like to drop us a few uh, shekels to uh, help support our audio equipment habit you can find us at www.ko-fi.com slash all the wrestlemanians did i get that right you did oh look at that uh, nailed that was, it that's from memory too and we uh you know we love to hear from you love to get your feedback i'm happy to take requests for shows that you want to hear so we hope you will uh take some time and uh and check out our various channels and and engage with us so for now i'm your co-host tim i'm your co-host rich and we are gonna bask in hawkamania some more and we'll say so long everybody mm-hmm.